Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast. It's episode 56 today, Monday, June 19th in the studio. Jason Cooper, research analyst. Hello. Hey, Danny. And we got Trevor Nargis, senior trader. Welcome. Hey, Danny. First off, we want to lead by saying thank you to everyone that continues to come back week after week and listen in. You know, if you like what you hear, please share with a friend, colleague, or family member. We always enjoy making these and your listening and spreading the word really means a lot. So let's jump into it, right? Market is closed day in observance of Juneteenth, but we do have a lot of economic data coming in this week. So we're getting some housing data, we're getting leading indicators, we're getting manufacturing data, we're getting data on the labor market. We're also getting some Fed speakers this week. Powell is speaking twice this week. So we'll, we'll see what happens here. But Jason, what we really wanted to talk about today were divergences and we're seeing them, you know, in a lot of different pockets of the market. So do you want to start with the first one that we had gone over? Sure. And, and when we say divergences, it, it shows up graphically almost like alligator jaws. So typically you see two, two data series that are highly correlated and they move together. But at some points, those, those data series diverge. You have one that continues upwards and one that continues downwards. It forms what we call alligator jaws. And we were just discussing last week the number of divergences that we've seen. So the first and probably most notable has been the divergence between some of these mega cap names that are riding the AI wave and down capitalization names. Yeah, I mean, it's really been year to date. It's really been the story of what are those AI related stocks and then what is the rest of the market, right? You see the divergence in the S&P 500 compared to the equal weight S&P 500, or you can even look at, you know, the NASDAQ relative to the S&P 500. But like you said, those AI driven names have really helped the S&P to outperform the equal weight index pretty much by more than 10% for the first couple of months of the year. It really seems like that outperformance is starting to shift now and that the broader market is starting to participate. Looking at some data, the percent of New York stocks that are above the 50-week moving average, that's 68%. That's up from only 40% a couple of weeks ago. The percent that are above the 200-week moving average, similarly trending northwards, 60%, an increase from 45% a few weeks ago. And the advanced decline line, so effectively looking at market breadth, it hasn't made a new high yet, but it's around the area we saw in February, just indicating again that the average name is starting to participate. And it's really important to be objective when you're looking at those figures, because I feel, Jason, like the story year to date has been this bad breath, right? Everyone's been talking about, you know, the seven names leading the entire market. I mean, we've, we've said it on this podcast, right? Just that a couple names have really led gains this year. And now we are starting to see that rotate. So it's important to kind of continually keep a close eye on this, which is why we have a whole team of people that do this. Um, but let's look at those small and mid cap names like we were talking about what have you seen from an earnings standpoint i guess that would be the opportunity right you've you've had this divergence and you're questioning how is it going to close the strength in ai the weakness in the rest of the market the opportunity seems to be with small cap names now those are names that have had a pretty significant earnings recession already and maybe the price and the, the function of the function of the weakness in the price has just been a discounting of that poor earnings but markets are forward-looking we're starting to maybe see earnings estimates trend higher, and we're seeing opportunity in these names because they trade at 13.5 times forward earnings versus large cap names, which are probably closer to 20 times. And it's not necessarily fair to compare small cap valuations to large cap valuations. You're not going to have small caps that have the same type of growth edge with AI uh, or that might be beneficiaries. 
But when you look at it relative to its own history, and that's how we try to evaluate names, it's not comparing a name to another name, it's comparing a name to its own historic trading and trying to determine, is that business likely to improve or deteriorate? So if we're seeing the prospect of improving earnings with a name trading at a historic a historically discounted multiple, we view that as a real opportune time to buy. Well, and then we come back to balancing fundamentals and evaluation with the trading side of things, right? So just looking at broader small caps, something like the Russell 2000 compared to the S&P 500, the Russell 2000 has been beaten down quite heavily compared to the S&P 500, almost to the tune of getting back near COVID lows during the beginning of June here. So we've started to see that somewhat reverse now, and that could spell an opportunity here going forward. And you'd like to see a little more momentum and a little more, I guess, consistent price action behind a trade like that. But it is something that we're starting to see shift a little bit. I think that takes us then to our, our next divergence, which has been financial conditions. So you have this peculiar divergence between the National Financial Conditions Index, which has been really strong, and the Senior Loan Officer Survey, which is weak. So when you look at the National Financial Conditions Index, a lot of that takes into consideration market price or market action. So the fact that the market is up, the fact that volatility is down, the fact that credit default swaps on high yield are lower, that all benefits the Financial Conditions Index. But when you think about it, what that really indicates to a degree is the wealth effect. And when you're at your July 4th barbecues this summer, we're pretty positive you're going to hear some of your friends and family talk about house sales in their neighborhood and how they're 30 to 40% higher than they were before. And maybe that has them feeling a little good about their, their overall financial picture. And maybe they talk about some of the AI names that they hold. We know how people like to talk at parties. And it's just that type of behavioral psychology. You know, we're in a really different place now than we were at the beginning of the year when the market was down. And that influences how people act in economies. It influences their propensity to spend. Oh, yeah. And right. Consumer sentiment. Again, people, retail sales, all that. It all kind of comes into play here. That's what's so interesting about all this, too. I do want to give a quick shout out to our chief economist, Brian Jacobson, who kind of brought this up in our team discussion the other week, right? The financial conditions compared to the senior loan officer survey. And this divergence is somewhat adjacent to what we were just talking about with large caps versus small caps. So the senior loan officer survey, that looks at the willingness of banks to lend and also addresses the demand for credit across businesses and households. So overall, the willingness to lend to firms has been declining for pretty much over a year, and it's been somewhat significant. Most people and businesses look to access credit markets for large purchases like cars, houses, you know, inventory buildouts for new locations, capital investment. This unwillingness to extend credit should limit growth going forward. And so bringing that back to the large versus the small caps, right? These mega cap names that have all this cash on their balance sheet, they might not have to tap the debt markets in order to keep operations running. So hence the reason that you might have seen financial conditions index ease while seeing senior loan officer survey data actually show tightening, right? Because mega cap names might not have had to access debt markets to access capital to keep the business running. Whereas that's really going to show up more with smaller businesses, small and mid cap companies who might need to go to a commercial bank to get a loan in order to meet payroll, build out new inventory, things of that nature. So it's been interesting to watch kind of the overarching financial conditions data with senior loan officer survey data. 
And Brian went back and he looked at these data series and the last time you had a divergence like this was in the 1990s. And he pointed out, hey, back then, the divergence effectively closed with the market trending higher. So when we think about opportunities, this divergence isn't necessarily a threat to the market. It might represent an opportunity with respect to our last conversation for the broad market to continue marching higher. When you think about threats, Trevor, you did a great job highlighting the risks to businesses. Well, that's why from a threat perspective, if the threat is the inability of a business to access credit reduces their ability to grow, you focus on those businesses that don't need to tap the credit markets. And yes, there are businesses up capitalization, these large and mega cap names that don't need to tap it, but there are also tremendous businesses down capitalization too, and you can insulate your portfolio from that threat there. And that all goes back to that quality skew, right? I think from an opportunity standpoint, that's kind of the one of the one of the big takeaways from this divergence right here is that there's the fundamental aspect behind quality names but also if you look at you know there's baskets of stocks out there that you can kind of look into and plug into a charting software and if you're looking at the technicals on baskets of high quality names too that's also looking quite strong again all goes back to divergences right it's all about picking your spots this environment as a whole really makes it interesting for active management. Let's keep plugging away here, Jason. What do you got? The last divergence we're seeing is between real rates and long duration securities. I'm pretty sure we talked about this in the past. When you look at the market real yield on the 10-year treasury, it's at about 1.62. That's pretty much in line with where it was in October, where the uh, treasury yields peaked. And it's also around where it was in early February when the yields similarly peaked. Now, the real yields can be viewed as the opportunity cost for holding other assets. You're compensated on a real, so in an inflation-adjusted basis. So when you think about a long-duration security like gold, I think PIMCO did a study, and they found that gold has effectively a 27-year duration, which is very long. And what you would expect to see is that as real rates rise, you see gold pressured. That's what PIMCO at least found. Now, you're not really seeing that. Gold has actually been strong this year, as have other long-duration assets like growth stocks. And that makes sense in the context that AI is driving those earnings to potentially grow at a much rap more rapid clip. But that doesn't make any sense for gold. Gold is still just, a, as I think Kane said, a, a barbarous relic. So it should, in this type of environment, be pressured by the rise in real rates. And that one, I think, has us scratching our head a little bit. Which way is the alligator jaws going to close? Is it maybe real rates declining? Or is it going to be gold and growthier assets pulling back? Well, and that's the million dollar question, right? Because if you do have rates declining, especially with rates moving the way they have over the past, call it essentially year and three months now, if rates are coming down, I feel like the market's really been viewing that as a good thing for longer duration names. Longer rates coming down would benefit the price action in longer dated bonds. But let's say it's the other side of the equation and it's longer stocks coming down more than longer bonds. What could that maybe be a function of? That could be higher rates. I don't necessarily see that coming. The market doesn't necessarily see that coming right now. It's really tough to say because you have all these different moving parts that could contribute to those, those jaws closing. Right now, given what the market's pricing in, it really seems like it's going to be more a function of rates coming down but we'll see, right? Because the way that the yield curve is kind of set up right now is that you're going to see maybe somewhat of a bull steepener, right? Where maybe just the short end of the curve moves more so than the long end of the curve. You know, you can back into 
rates and what should happen and all this and that. I mean, maybe it's as simple as we've seen a really crazy bear market rally and some of these AI names have gotten ahead of themselves and maybe it's time to come back down to earth. And maybe that's why you're starting to see the equal weight start to catch up to the S&P and the broader market starting to look more attractive. Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity for the listeners to hear how we're thinking internally. And sometimes there isn't a right answer and we have to be cognizant of the fact that we don't know everything. And in those situations, monitoring trading for the which way the market is going to break is incredibly important. And that's why we use it as a part of our three-pillared approach. Yeah. And it's always coming back to, you're not just picking one area of the market to invest in as well, right? It's calculated allocations to different pockets of the market in the areas that you want to be. And how about those headlines? Headline strength. AI leads to a broadening of the market. Headline weakness. When you look underneath the hood, lending conditions have gotten tighter. What's our headline opportunity? Down capitalization names. And our headline threat. Economic growth following the lead of credit conditions. Episode 56 of the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Trevor Nargis, senior trader. Thanks. Thanks, Danny. Jason Cooper, research analyst. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.